The last page has been turned on my most recent read and I'm enjoying a lovely spiced vanilla chai that I have only just made because that's exactly what I fancied. It's really cold, we've had sleet, we've had rain and it's just sinking into the bones so I needed something warming and cozy and that's exactly what I've got. As you know, I like to talk about different genres, but I do have my favorites and I have a few that I'm not so familiar with. This week, I am talking about a book in a genre I don't read that often, so it's gonna be as new to me as it may be to some of you. It's been an interesting and somewhat frustrating week when it comes to my reading habits, but right now I'm here to talk about a book that I was gifted for my birthday. Yes, another one. But it wasn't one I gifted to myself for a change. Though it has appeared on my socials, it doesn't have a stunning and brightly coloured cover, so it doesn't stand out as much as others I've read in recent weeks. However, you may recognise the title when I finally tell you what it is. So here I am, no spoilers, opinion filled as ever, and ready to roll, all of which means it's time for the latest episode of Being Bookish. Join me today as I take you on a journey through the fictional world of Ockrith with Remy and Hale in A.K. Mulford's The High Mountain Court. I'm your host Ray, self-confessed bookworm, introvert, hermit, long-term depression sufferer and ex-coffee addict. Join me on my journey through my ever-growing to-be-read pile and enjoy the latest of my 100% spoiler-free book reviews. Looking through my review history, I was stunned to discover I don't actually talk about many books in this particular genre, young adult and new adult fantasy. But to be honest, I don't actually read many that fit in that genre. I have started to read more in recent weeks, but it's not my go-to. As you will know if you've listened to previous episodes, that is sort of split between mythological retellings, cosy crime and contemporary women's literature. I think everyone has their favourites and those tend to be mine. So light a few candles or perhaps just switch on that reading lamp. I've currently got three candles lit in various scents, so it's getting a bit confusing for the senses. And get yourself a fresh cup of something hot or a glass of something chilled, depending entirely on when you're listening and your preference, of course. And let's get started. A Red Witch in Hiding. 13 years fleeing witch hunters and the looming threat of death, 19-year-old Remy knows she is possibly the last Red Witch alive and she is determined to stay that way. The Northern Court King has slaughtered her home court and placed a bounty on Red Witch heads. When four Fey warriors enter her tavern refuge, Remy tries to flee, but her magic isn't strong enough to stop a Fey prince on a mission. The handsome Prince Hale of the Eastern Kingdom wants to stop a war with the Northern Court before his kingdom befalls the same fate as Remy's. He needs a Red Witch, and Remy may be the only person alive who can help him. Can she really trust Prince Hale? Can her fallen court be resurrected from the evil clutches of the Northern Court King? 
for the chance to save herself, her people, and help defeat the Northern King, Remy must put her faith in Hale and his companions on a dangerous quest to find lost relics. Welcome to Ocrith, a world where the Fae are in control and witches live in fear, hiding from the kings and hunters who would kill them. Remy is 19 years old and has been on the run from Vostemur, king of the Northern Court, since he attacked the High Mountain Court and violently slaughtered every Red Witch in an effort to become the most powerful king. The Court of the Red Witches had amassed a lot of power and as such could not continue to exist as it threatened his end goal. Any who escaped his wrath were hunted down and subsequently tortured and executed upon capture. Hiding in plain sight, working as staff in taverns across the many kingdoms and moving on before she is detected, Remy has been hiding with Heather and Fenrin, two brown witches who help her to hide her true nature. However, all good things must come to an end and Remy's days of feeling safe are over when Prince Hale from the Eastern Court shows up where she is working and accurately judging that this fey hunter is a danger to her safety and her emotional state, she attempts to run. Unfortunately for her and her loyal companions, she is not quite quick enough and before she has a chance to pack her few belongings and escape, Hale and his companions Bree, Karis and Talhan have captured them all. Though she doesn't feel lucky at the time, it turns out that Hale is not out to torture and kill her. He has a mission and needs her help. Strange way of asking for help if you ask me, but what do I know? I'm not one of them. Hale has been tasked with finding some Red Witch artefacts for his father, and though his relationship with the man is less than friendly, he initially comes across as desperate for his father's approval. Travelling through the kingdoms, Remy slowly gets to know Hale and his companions, though her opinion of them is coloured by the horror that she has already lived through, and she is terrified that he is slowly going to prove himself to be as bad as the hunters who use, abuse and eventually kill their witch captives. She has heard the stories of the witches who were kept prisoner by King Vostemur, the blue witches who, with their ability to see visions of the future, are blinded and held in cells where they are slowly driven insane by his harsh treatment and the constant use of their powers to benefit his desire for domination. Knowing that she is a rarity and believing herself to be the last of her kind, Remy is understandably terrified of what Vostemur might do to her when he gets hold of her, especially knowing what he did to other inhabitants of the High Mountain Court and how he systematically killed them all. Genocide at its worst. Not that there's a best for genocide, to be fair. As the troop continue to travel together, they become something resembling friends, with Remy slowly growing to trust that they are who they are on the surface, at least who they appear to be, with no hidden motivation. From the start, there is incredible UST between Hale and Remy, though he enjoys teasing her and she likes to keep him at arm's length, despite there being a few instances of there is only one bed in the room and they have to share it though he is kind of a little bit more gentleman-like and offers to sleep on the sofa occasionally, even though he is a prince in his own right. And as far as everybody is aware, Remy is no one but a red witch. That sounds awful. She's not no one. She's a red witch and therefore she needs to kind of keep under the radar. 
She has heard tales of Hale's reputation, wow, that rhymes, and doesn't need to add her own mark on his bedpost. Aware that they're in constant danger, Karis and Bree, two of Hale's friends, take it upon themselves to train Remy, though she has spent almost her whole life hiding her true self and therefore restricting any use of the powers she was born with in order to prevent discovery. She is finally being given the opportunity to use her strength and put her abilities to the test. And despite being initially cautious about showing what she is able to do and therefore exposing herself and her skills just in case their motives aren't as pure as they appear to be, understandably she's cautious, she soon becomes confident and trusting enough to reveal her powers and how capable she is, which proves to be a lot. One thing I am truly appreciative of here is the fact that Remy doesn't come across as a Mary Sue. She's good at a lot of things, sure, but she also has some weaknesses and acknowledges that there are things she can't quite get right. She makes mistakes, but not in that, oh, I am so clumsy way that can be quite annoying in a lot of books. The book takes you on a journey through the kingdoms as Hale, Remy and their small but efficient and skilled group of friends search for the artefacts and head toward their end goal. Of course, the entire story is taking you as the reader toward a final confrontation and a surprise revelation that is rumoured from around halfway through the book. But if I tell you about that, I will be spoiling everything. This is a book about learning who you are and trusting in yourself and your own abilities. Oh, and of course, it is a new adult romantic fantasy with a massive nod to fated mates a trope that I have discovered to be incredibly popular in this genre and, of course, across a lot of fan fiction that I have personally read in multiple fandoms. So if that's what you're into and you haven't read it yet, perhaps The High Mountain Court is a book you should look into. I feel like last week I truly outdid myself when it comes to reviews because not only did I love the book more on a second reading, I had already been recommending it to everyone I know who loves mythology. Anyway, less about Clytemnestra because I could talk about that forever. This week I am looking at a book that, while new to my shelves and awareness, came out almost two years ago. There are already two published sequels following different characters, as well as three novellas building on the past experiences of characters who play an important role in the story told in this, the first book. As you know, I like to provide a balanced perspective when it comes to all of the books I look at, and while my opinion won't be changed by it, taking a look at reviews from both ends of the spectrum can help. So before I give you my review, what did others think of The High Mountain Court by A.K. Mulford? Laura gave the book just one star in her review, and I have to say that her comments felt pretty scathing. She said, Guys, this is literally a knockoff of Akatar. Like, I can point out so many scenes that are as close to replicas of SJM's book while barely avoiding plagiarism. Hale and Remy are just cheaper and less interesting versions of Reese and Fair. I get it. There's no such thing as an original story, just new ways of telling it. 
This was just blatant mirroring. Choppy writing really had me struggling early on, to the point I figured I was going to throw another book in the DNF pile. However, I had heard good things about this being a good fantasy romance with diversity, because we don't see enough of that in the fantasy world. Except that also fell flat. The characters felt forced and had no personality. We are only a few chapters in and suddenly everyone is buddies, and there is still this wishy-washy behaviour between our MCs, which had me wanting to pull out my hair. I wish I wasn't so disappointed, because I would love to have a fantasy story with good representation and strong women. I mean, I loved Akatar and was excited to get a book that people compared to the series. I was not expecting to basically read the exact same book, down to specific scenes. This book came out in 2021, so I was pretty late to the party. But after joining TikTok and going through a load of book talk, I saw a couple of pretty convincing videos giving brief reviews and I knew that I wanted to read The High Mountain Court. So I added it to my wish list and was admittedly surprised when I opened a gift from my sister on my birthday to see this book on top of a nice pile of hardbacks. Because while this book has been out a while, the only copy I could get was hardback. So it's not on the lower end of the fantasy scale when it comes to pricing. As it's been out for a while, there are a number of reviews on Goodreads. And when I say a number, I mean there are over 1,200 though there are more than 12,000 ratings. So it's not a very good um, ratio of reviews to ratings, to be fair. Overall, the reception has been relatively positive, with 65% of the ratings being four or five stars. Though more than 50% of the ratings are positive, a large proportion of the written reviews are just one or two stars, with many highlighting the same negative opinions primarily similarities to an existing novel series, that is felt to be superior by these particular reviewers anyway. As I say every single week when it comes to opinion on books, views are personal and therefore while many may have a similar view, it's still subjective. So when it comes to picking out a book for yourself, it's always worth looking at more than one review, especially if you're not sure, because everyone's opinion is different as is always seen when I look at one-star to five-star reviews for this episode, these episodes. The book currently has an overall score of 3.85 out of 5 on Goodreads. As with everything book, for every negative review, there's always a positive one to counter it. And at the other end of the scale from Laura's, there's this five-star review from Alexis, who really enjoyed the book, saying... I have no idea where to start with this review. This has officially become one of my favourite books. I can't think of anything I didn't like. It has fae and witches and spice. Also, we had found family and adventure. In this book, there are fae, witches and humans. Years ago, the high mountain court where the red witches called home was destroyed by the northern court. Red witches that weren't killed went into hiding and were hunted down by witch hunters. Remy is a red witch who is recruited by the Eastern Court's prince to find weapons that will help defeat the Northern King. She joins the prince's group of warriors on their journey to find the weapons and find her way back to the red witches she thought were all gone. 
This book really has it all. It's got adventure, romance, friendships, magic, and great world building. And there are twists that keep you guessing. I love this book so much. Remy and Hale have officially wormed their way into my heart. There is always a lot to think about when reading other people's reviews, especially when their ratings seem to depend on so many different factors from have they read something similar that they prefer and what type of reader are they? And of course, how did they read the book? Was it an arc? Did they listen to the audio? Sometimes the reading of an audio book can make or break the view that a reader has of it. As I have already mentioned, this was truly a book that I could say TikTok made me buy, or at least it's one that TikTok influenced me to put on a wish list that was then bought for me. It was the first of the birthday gifts that I sat down and read. So it has been a few weeks, admittedly, as I record this since I closed the book and put it back on my bookcase. However, I did manage to read it in a single day, and that, for me, is a positive sign. Anyway, let's get down to it. I could waffle on about the books I've bought and the books that have been bought for me forever. Here are my thoughts on The High Mountain Court by A.K. Mulford. Completely spoiler-free and 100% honest. Did I like the book? In truth, yes, I did like this book. I know that many of the reviews stated, this is a word-for-word copy of Akatar or Throne of Glass. But as someone who has only read the first book and a half of the first series and never read any of the second, I can't say definitively whether this is the case or not. What I do know is that this book made me want to read the sequel, where I didn't find any massive urge to do the same for Akatar, which I found, personally, to be slow going. Yes, I know that we need to have world building in a fantasy series, but do you need to write an entire 300 plus page book in order to do it? Please don't come from me if you're a fan. I am talking personal opinion here. And for me, A Court of Mist and Fury is still sitting half finished on my bookcase as I just couldn't face any more slow moving drama last month. So what did I enjoy about The High Mountain Court? The fact that it was a quick, relatively easy read. (laughs) Just kidding. Though, to be fair, it was both short and an easy read. The world that these characters live in was established early on and in a similar way to the world that Kissin inhabited in Godkiller, which, as you will know, I loved. The fact that it was made clear early on the situation that these characters were in didn't overshadow the story nor did it take away from any of the action that took place incredibly quickly. Personally, I like it when something happens at the beginning and the plot just builds on those events. I know from reading some of the less flattering reviews that many struggled with similarities between the developing relationship between Hale and Remy and the one that builds between Fair and Reese in the Akatar series. And here I am assuming that everyone knows what Akatar is. If you don't, it's A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Mass, which is a massive seller. And it's a fantasy series made up of five books, ending with A Court of Silver Flames, I believe. Now, I am not trying to take anything away from Sarah J. Mass here. There is no denying what she has built is an incredibly popular series that millions of people have enjoyed. But going on personal experience, which is all I can go on, 
the first book was just okay and the fact that I have only made it halfway through the second book probably gives you an indication of my current view. Will it change? Possibly, but right now this book gives me a far more positive feeling. So I apologise heartily to anybody who read this and didn't like it and feels that A Court of Mist and Fury and A Court of Thorns and Roses is a far better series. For me, again, this is personal opinion. Prince Hale the Bastard, yes, that is how he is referred to in this book, is the sort of hero I would have definitely swooned over as a teenager. He is handsome, skilled, charming to a degree, and is clearly desperate for more than friendship with Remy. He has been created to appeal to the reader in a physical way, but then that's the way a romantic fantasy works. I'm not going to question Mulford's motive for giving us a male protagonist like Hale at all. Remy is an interesting one. Initially, she frustrated me. There's no denying the fact that she's been through a lot, though I'm not going to get into the entirety of her backstory, for it certainly leads to spoilers. However, some of her actions were pretty irritating. She's flirtatious and friendly when it suits her purpose, but she is constantly pushing Hale away. Yes, that is her absolute right. She can say no and change her mind. I'm not going to argue that point as a woman who has, like every sane woman the world over said forever, no means no. But Remy doesn't mean no. And as readers who are privy to her inner thoughts because the story is told from her perspective, she is taunting and teasing him with every single intention of saying yes. She dislikes keeping Hale on the edge of his seat at all times. Not only that, but sometimes she dithers a bit. She knows that everything she's doing is for a purpose, but she has this hesitance that borders on annoying when you can see that she is decisive and driven with other things. I know that I should cut her some slack. She witnessed a massacre, lost her whole family, spent 13 years running from a bloodthirsty enemy who thinks nothing of killing children for power, and now she's been dropped in at the deep end with a prince who she believes wanted to use her power and then destroy her. But when she knows that he is at much at her mercy as she is at his, she still plays the same game. And for a time, it is most annoying. I loved seeing her flirt with him and use her feminine wiles to not only manipulate her enemies, but also get tails so tangled up that he didn't know which way was up. The chemistry crackled from the word go, but the slow build was anguish. I mean, seriously, there are moments when the page could have easily been set alight, such as when Hale is playing a high-stakes card game for a ring that once belonged to the Red Witches of the High Mountain Court, a ring that grants immortality, or at least a facsimile of it, and Remy is offering herself as a distraction so he can steal it. Hale's hands idly slid up and down Remy's thigh, her skin tingled, radiating heat. Her entire body felt like it was shimmering. Remy shifted on Hale's lap again. He wanted her. At least some of this act was real. Remy kept her eyes lowered from Hale's gaze, knowing that one more look promised to set her aflame. There are plenty more moments like this throughout the book, promising so much. So yes, I enjoyed the book, despite the fact that I wanted them to realise they were meant to be from the word go. 
The slow burn was painful, but only because I kept on looking at how many pages I had left and worrying that it was never going to happen. Unfortunately, the quest that Hale drags Remy into suffers a little when it comes to development. While everything else is developed really well, it has purpose, but as with many final battles, there is something missing, and for me, that was the villain. Vostemur hovers in the background for the majority of the book, and though the actions that brought every character to the point they started at were truly horrific, because he is just a name for most of the story, I found that I was less invested in him and his motives. He was a faceless enemy for so long that he was less intimidating than perhaps he would have been if we had been occasionally glimpsed or his appearance had been less beautiful fae. Of course, Hale and Remy are the central characters in their story, but they aren't alone on their journey through the kingdom searching for artefacts that will help defeat the dark forces we barely get a sighting of. Hale's friends, Bree, Karis and Talhan, are well written and each of them is not just there because they serve the prince. They are given their own backstories and you learn to care for each of them, such as when we encounter Karis's half-sister, Morgan, who is, is half-mortal, and we find the backstory as to how Karis discovered she had a half-sister. They have personalities and are individuals who have motivations of their own. They aren't just an extension of Hale and his ambitions. So ultimately, I enjoyed this book and I think that if you like new adult fantasy with a bit of relatively tame smut and a lot of slow burn, you'll find something in this book to enjoy. Will I read more by A.K. Mulford? Though fantasy isn't something I tend to put much effort into finding, I do enjoy it occasionally and this was a change to the books I have been reading. I thought that the world building was clever and efficient, which I happen to like personally. The characters were intriguing, though I could have done with a clearer introduction to Vostemur, perhaps some background into his reasoning for doing what he did and what he was planning in the form of a prologue, maybe. And though you know I won't go into the finer details of the ending as I don't believe in spoiling a book, I would have liked a less sudden climax to the story. I'm not saying that the entire thing just goes and this happened, the end. But there were certain things I think could have done with a far slower build. I mean, we had slow burn in the romance. So why couldn't we have had slow build in a lot of other things? I know that this is only the first in a series, but having read the praises of the next book, aptly titled The Witch's Blade, it's as though this is the last we truly see of Hale and Remy, which makes me a little bit sad. I think that there could have been a, a longer, maybe slightly more drawn out ending, an epilogue or something else, you know? I, I don't know. I'm not always a fan of the epilogue, but sometimes if a book makes you want to see more, that's not a bad thing. If you're looking for something like this or you liked this and want something else, then you'll love these. This is truly a tough one. As I've already said, YA and NA fantasy are relatively new genres for me. So I don't have many options to draw from when it comes to books to recommend. Of course, 
I can't talk about fantasy, especially in this particular genre, without mentioning Sarah J Mass and her five book strong A Court of Thorns and Roses series known as Akatar to the hardcore readers. This is definitely a fan favourite and though I am currently struggling my way through the series, my views are no, no way the definitive. As a mood reader, my choices are dictated by what I feel at the time and clearly... I wasn't there when I picked up the second book. That means that I've got to give it another chance, obviously. I've also picked up the first two books in Jennifer L. Armentrout's Blood and Ash series, though they will go on the reading list for later as I've got a lot to get through and I need to start picking out a little bit more carefully because I have got a few books that I actually need to read. I am currently imagining how many people are listening and saying, what about older books? So I guess I can't talk about fantasy and world building without mentioning two of the biggest fantasy franchises to ever exist. George R.R. Martin's Game of Thrones series and J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. Yes, they are both fantasy and if you love the world building aspect, then there is no way I can ignore them. However, I would add a codicil to this. I would say that they are a totally different kettle of fish to Mulford, Mass and Armentrout. But that's no reason to strike them off your reading list. In fact, I'd recommend adding one or both series to your list if you haven't read them already. that I am going to shock you all this week when I say that I haven't picked up a book. I have one sitting on my coffee table that is waiting to be finished because I read half of it last week, but I have been going through another mini slump. I am going to lay the blame for this on a really busy week at work, but I am hoping that the murder mystery, Gin Palace, I have got lined up for tonight will help to ease me through without many more issues. My reading for March so far has been somewhat disappointing to me. Other people will go, you've read five books, that's fantastic. I'm looking at it and going, yeah, I could have read more, but I just haven't been reading. Despite having a considerable number of new books to look forward to, I just haven't felt the urge to pick up a single one. But I know this is a mere blip on the radar and things will pick up because I do have so many incredible books to choose from. On the positive side, I am already thinking about the books I want to read. I'm just finding it hard to do more than think about them. My fingers are firmly crossed that by this time next week, I will be over the slump and I will be deep into my next book. Do you have slumps? And if so, how do you get over them? Do you have a tried and true method? Or is it just a case of reading through it. <laughs> My longest slump lasted pretty much the entirety of 2017, the year I read just two books and the only year I haven't completed the Goodreads challenge since 2014. I will never go back there. While I haven't read anything for nearly a week, that hasn't stopped me from going onto Amazon and taking a look at recommended for you books and the new releases. While I haven't seen any brand new books that have screamed by me, I did succumb to the temptation of buying two books in a fantasy series 
despite seriously struggling with another fantasy series that I already have, as I've mentioned. However, as I have already said, I am going to put these on my bookcase unless they call to me. So if they start calling to me when I open the package later on, we'll be reading those this weekend. And otherwise, I'll be reading them at a later date. While on the subject of bookcases, yeah, I am going there. I have a question for those of you out there who aren't mood readers. Do you set yourself a monthly TBR? I often see people posting images or videos of the books they have set out to read for the month. How do you determine which books you're going to read? And how do you stick to it when there are so many books out there, new and existing? Massive admiration, though, if you set a target and stick to it. I guess that is another side to being a mood reader. The fact that I can't just pick a list of books at the beginning of the month and be assured they are going to be the ones I end up reading. It is for this exact reason that uni reading lists were a total pain. Being told that I absolutely had to read a specific set of books over the course of a term, it was awful when I wasn't in the right state of mind for those particular books. And those are the years when I read loads of stuff that I really shouldn't have done and led to procrastination. And I'm just going to submit this essay at five to midnight on deadline day. As always, I keep on looking for books to add to my wish list and my physical bookshelf. So if there is anything on your TBR that you think I would love, I am not averse to getting more books. Seriously, I could buy forever. So definitely pass those titles on to me. You can send me an email at notbeforecoffeepodcast at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter or Instagram and I will be sure to check it out. Don't forget if you want to hear about new releases and other books I've read and keep up with my reviews, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website beingbookish.co.uk. And don't forget I am now on TikTok. Yes, I have joined them. I've been pretty good at adding videos every week, though not every day because I don't buy quite that many books. There are some unboxing videos up there as well as a few book haul recordings and some mini reviews promoting the books I read for these episodes as well as a few book tours that I take part in. You can find me there at Being Bookish Reviews. Well, that's it for this week and thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, why not share it with your friends and family and please post a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any of the other podcatchers where you listen. You can follow me on Twitter at being underscore bookish and on Instagram at beingbookishpod or you can check out my website beingbookish.co.uk. Well, I've got a lot to get ready for this next week's episode and a new book is unfortunately not calling me, but I am going to have to figure it out. So until next time, this is me saying farewell. Farewell.